The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Hello, and welcome to the April 8th edition of Living Well. Have you ever wondered what would happen if your child was at a friend's house and picked up a gun or saw a gun in a neighbor's house? Is that child trained to in gun safety? Are you ensured that they wouldn't touch it or that they would make sure and put it right down if someone handed it to them and that they would be safe? Or what about you? Have you ever wondered about protecting your family if they're in danger? Well, today we have Kevin Duncan. He is certified as a shooting coach with the Texas 4-H Group of Texas, the SCTP, the Scholastic Clay Target Program, and of course, the NRA, the National Rifle Association. And um, Kevin is here today with a message to protect your family and protect your kids by teaching them gun safety. Oh, gun, gun safety is the key for helping reduce accidents in the home or outside of the home if, if a child comes in contact with at a, at a friend's house or at a relative's house. Then uh, they need to know what to do, what not to do uh, to help prevent accidents. Yeah. And we are joined today as well by Dr. Jim Slaughter, the renowned Dr. Jim Slaughter. <laughs> he went out, um, Kevin took us out to a shooting range, and we shot every kind of gun. Uh, probably not, but I think it, it was hours and hours and hours for, and taught us gun safety. Um, Dr. Slaughter already knew that, but he needed a reminder, and I needed to learn all of it. So we had a blast, and so we want to pass on this knowledge to you today about gun safety and preventing accidents. Welcome, guys. Let me say, too, I am so glad to be a part of this today, and I appreciate your asking me to, to join um, the, the uh, conversation today. But, no, I, I just need to say that I, I am not I, – I really am a, a, an extreme novice when it comes to shooting. Um, and so I was, uh, I was so excited to get to go, with, uh, go out with uh, Kevin and, and, um, and begin learning some things from him about that. Uh, I think it's a fun sport, uh, but I have a lot to learn, and uh, – and so thanks to look forward to uh, Kevin. Great being with you today. And, and this is going to be so fun. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that our listening audience is going to get to hear from you. Well, good, good. Maybe we can uh, steer some people in the right direction if they have questions. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you agree that he is an extreme novice? I would not say he's an extreme novice. He just needed a refresher course. That's all. Right, right. Because he was in the military. He did learn how to shoot. But he didn't, I would, but let's say he's not proficient in gun target shooting and rifle knowledge. They're not proficient in that. But you are proficient in that, right? Well, yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm the extreme novice. Okay. And, and one thing that when we did go shooting is you said, I'm not familiar with this shotgun. So you told me, hey, I need some instruction. I need 
from step one. So we went and shot. You first pulled the trigger on a shotgun the same day that you broke a target flying through the air at close to 50 miles an hour. Yeah, it was cool. That was cool. (laughs) Okay, so you got successes in that day all in one time. You got to shoot. You got to break clay targets. Is that common that somebody like me goes out and by the end of the day is shooting clay targets like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was amazed. I mean, it wasn't how long before I actually hit one. I don't think I hit the, did I hit the first one? I didn't you hit, hit the, the second one. I hit the second one. I was like, of course, the shotguns have spray, right? It's yeah, like the a, pattern, yes. But it was still so cool yeah. um, because it is moving. Oh, yes, so, moving very fast, yes. Yes, and so just that day, and it was a long day. How many hours did we spend out there? About three and a half hours. I was exhausted, but I felt so much better because in the beginning, I was nervous with the shotgun um, and, and the handguns both. I was nervous about mm-hmm. being around them. And uh, having everyone so close to us when we were shooting. And, and I know you're going to explain that. Well, it, especially with, uh, in the Texas 4-H uh, shooting group, you're, you're teaching youth between the ages of 10 and 18. Uh, for a shotgun, uh, I like to have youth about 85 pounds. That's strong enough to hold it and absorb some recoil. And a 10 is a minimum age. But when you've got a youth and you're introducing them to the shooting sports, you have to be physically close to that individual, close enough to reach out and take the muzzle if you need to. Mm. So first few visits out, the child is heavily supervised, and you explain everything you're doing as you do it. As you go along, you ask the child for feedback. You know, is anything here pinching you or hurting you or punching you? How, do you, how does the target look to you? You, you ask for feedback as you're mm-hmm. going, and the the child will be intimidated a little bit sometimes and may not want to talk to you, but you have to get that feedback as a coach. And then at the end of the day, then that child's had a, a pleasant experience. They've, they've learned quite a bit, and they're having successes in breaking clay targets. And they look at you and go, hey, when can I come out again? So the Texas 4-H group of Texas, how old, those kids all 10 to 18? In the, in the, in the shooting sports, the minimum age for the shotgun sport is 10. And then the Scholastic Clay Target Program, that's schools, right? That's a nationwide program uh, uh, that is based in schools. And the SCTP, Scholastic Clay Target Program, is a foundation in the beginning for uh, the group that goes on to an event called the Olympics. Right. And you have had a child that you worked with that went on to the Olympics. Yeah. He's, he's currently on part of the, the Team USA. Yeah. And what's his name? Dakota. Dakota. So if you guys see Dakota in the Olympics, in the, what, would it be, what, what would they call it? That's an international trap, a bunker trap. Bunker and uh, he, he shot with me for a short period of time. Uh, I talked to his parents and him, and they wanted to him to go on to um, a different style of shooting. And I encouraged him to, to go ahead and do that. Did you notice with Dakota that he was exceptional? Dakota had, he had, had good motor skills. He was a healthy young man. Uh, was breaking good targets, and he was motivated to do well when he was with the group. Oh, so that's good to know. So yeah. you don't have to have this incredible gift when you're young to go on to the Olympics, like a lot of people think. No, these the, the kids that, that make it to Team USA, they've put a ton of work into yeah. it. I mean, it's work. It's work. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun, too. It was the same thing with me with gymnastics. I mean, I think the reason I stood out and, and, um, and got to go so far was because I was – I was persistent and incredibly committed and would almost kill myself every day. You know, I just wanted to be the best. And so it does take that kind of work. It does. And um, also they have a, a 
edge in them that they want to compete. Mm-hmm. They want that competition. My daughter, uh, uh, extremely competitive and had that edge for a long time, and she loved getting out there and and shooting against the guys. And, and if she could beat a, a boy that was 100 pounds heavier than her and bigger than her, she just would grin. <laughs> yeah. And and she she still shoots some today. Mm-hmm. Is it rifles she shoots mostly? Oh, she's shooting rifle and pistol. And she recently notified me, and she said, "I, I want to get back into shooting tournaments again." And I said, "Yeah, we can we can do that." And how old is she? She's twenty one now. Twenty one, and you have a son, and he shoots as well. He's twenty four. He shoots recreationally. We don't compete as hard as we used to, but we're going to start. Uh, he and I are going to start shooting in a competition called Three Gun this year. Now, what about your dad? Dad is still competitive. He's uh, in his 80s and an exceptional shooter, and he has shot all across the nation and been to nationals several times and and been on the Texas shooting team, and, yeah, he's... He's incredible. He's done very well. Is he the best shooter in the family? Uh, on any given day, it any one of us can outshoot the other. Okay. My daughter has beaten, outscored... My dad, myself, and my son. My son has outscored all of us. It just depends on what day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be it would be really cool to outshoot a national, you know, qualifier like your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be cool. And uh, so that's really nice. Would you um, tell us a little bit about why you wanted this message so much about gun safety? Because I know you have some stories. Uh, it's been a while back. Uh, there was a horrific accident in Florida. A, a family went to a range, and a instructor was uh, letting people rent a machine gun and said, here, you can shoot a machine gun. What? Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And the family thought it would be funny to let an eight-year-old shoot a machine gun. It ended horrifically. Yeah, it sounds terrible. The eight-year-old is, is gone. And that accident didn't have to happen. So uh, if you if you plan on teaching or instructing children, it is not the same as teaching or instructing adults. Okay. You have to be closer. You have to introduce it slowly. You have to be in control. At the time that Florida accident happened, I was um, uh, knee-deep in Texas 4-H, and I was instructing a group in Fort Worth. Uh, One of my parents of a couple of my boys that I taught was talking to me about the accident, and... uh, other mothers that knew her sons competed were concerned. So, what about your son? You're around these shotguns. It's so powerful. How can you make sure that doesn't happen to your children? First thing she said was, the men that teach my kids won't let it happen. And she was right. So, it is real important where you go for lessons or yes. training. Yes. yes. So, what would you look for? Um in Texas, I would strongly encourage if, if you're a parent and you've got children that are curious about firearms or you've got children that uh, want to learn about the shooting sports, you can go to the websites, look up Texas 4-H, go talk to the coaches, tell them, hey, I've got a child that's interested in orientation. What do I need to do? What's your club rules? Get them involved. Um, make it open to them. If the child goes to an orientation like we had and said, mm-hmm. that's all I want, and that's as far as you need to go. Uh, most of the time, you go through an orientation like we had, and you look at them and you say, you want to go down and break a clay target? And they'll go, yeah, I want to give it a try. Mm-hmm. And you go down, and they can get them interested in it. 
But if you go to a coach that is certified through uh, 4-H or certified through SCTP, then you know you're going to be getting a coach that's trained in working with children. Children. Yes. Exactly. That is key. Here's something that that I have been thinking about since you mentioned it when we were out shooting together the other day. You told a story about, uh, about, well, just mentioned that, that a lot of people think for different reasons, perhaps, but it's dad who should be teaching the kid how to shoot. Right. That Something doesn't seem quite right about that, because what if dad doesn't know how to shoot very well or doesn't understand safety? Or doesn't have time. Right. And, and, and a, a lot of parents can be proficient shooters, but they don't know how to teach children. Right. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with dad if he's trained and taking his son out to shoot. Obviously, that's, that's wonderful. It's a great day at the range. Mm-hmm. Um, but to help reinforce that, and even dads and, and can come out, and uh, if they get involved, they may want to become a certified instructor. Sure. Um, but you will learn to handle a firearm. You will learn to carry it with action open and empty. You mm-hmm. will learn that you control the shells. You, that's key with children. You know, I think that people in general, when they think of people who shoot guns or hunters or whatever, they, they have this picture that people walk around with guns all the time and they leave them out where kids can get them and all that kind of thing, that it's just so dangerous and why have them in their home and um, just let the police do that. We don't need guns, you know. And so they see it as, and there are people that do walk around when they have the um, law that says open carry. Right. But in general, that is not... I mean, we don't, I mean, we're in Texas. We do not see guns around all the time. People walking around town or walking in office buildings. I mean, you know, we may have one or, you know, that I, and I, like you're, you're in our building Mm -hmm. and I feel very safe because of that when you're there. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I hardly ever see them. Now, I know a lot of hunters and I know people who have guns, but they have them locked up. They have Mm -hmm. them in a safe. They take them when they hunt, but they don't just let their kids have access to them like people think they do. No, uh, the open carry uh, movement in Texas uh, is is probably less than one percent of the gun owners in in Texas. Um, there's a lot of mixed feeling about about open carry. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I personally would not walk around with with an AR-15 over my shoulder. It's just I, I wouldn't do it. Um, but um, I wouldn't want to get arrested because I was carrying a shotgun from my house to the truck or carrying it at the gun range. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm in supporting of the, of the law that would allow me to, to carry it in that regard. Yeah. And I think that part of it too, for me, just being a lay person, right. That, um, when, if I saw someone walking towards my building with a gun, like not on in their, in their holster and mm-hmm. all closed up like yours is, but if they just had their gun out walking, I would think they were a danger, and just like they were going to do something bad with that gun. That would be my first thought because I don't ever see people walking around with just a gun out. Right. Right. And so uh, people who just hear about that and they don't really see how what the open carry looks like, um, they have this vision that they wouldn't know if someone was dangerous or not. And they're walking up with a gun or they have a gun on them. How do they know the difference between someone's walking into a movie theater and going to shoot people versus someone who is truly just has it, you know, like an open carry. Well, unfortunately, we can't see inside people's minds and know what their intent is. Right. And I, and I think that's why the open carry is, for a lot of people, is very unsettling. That means they have it. But yet people do have guns, like, 
in their, you know, hidden in their car, like mm-hmm. in their glove compartment where they can easily access it or maybe in their purse. Mm-hmm. All the open carry means is you can see it. That you right? can see it. Yeah. Which if they if it's out, it's easier to use if you need it. There's a, a strong argument that if a uh, firearm was on your hip and you could see it, that that alone could deter uh, crime. Right. Mm-hmm. Which and I, I can would, see that. <laughs> and I would say that if, if you personally were walking down the street and had a, a holster on your belt, then odds are nobody's going to mug you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I do think that no one would come in our building because they know you're, you're there because you're pretty visible. Um, people in, the, in Hazlitt know you, you know, <laughs> and so it makes me feel more secure. But I do see why, you know, people might be worried about that. Well, you you took karate for a number of years. Right. Okay, so there were some people that are so into karate that they're almost paranoid. They're always looking for the ghost behind the door that's going to jump out and get them. Are you talking about me? No, 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 no. <laughs> they're, always, they're always paranoid about that. And there are some people that take karate, learn how to be proficient, and just know that they can take care of themselves. Right. That was more me. It brought me much comfort. And, okay. and I think that um, having a black belt, what I've realized is I'd never really use it. You know, it was more to give me comfort in times of danger. But what really gave me more comfort than anything was the self-defense they taught once a month, which is more reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so learning how to protect yourself in normal situations if something happens, dangerous. And teaching my kids that. Not teaching my kids so much pretty kicks and pretty yeah. hits, but how to, to protect themselves. You mean Jackie Chan is not the real karate? If, I thought I, all I had to do was watch a Jackie Chan movie, and I, I could go do it, right? Yeah, have you tried? <laughs> I don't think that'd work out too well. I think it's so cool, though. He yeah. is so cool. But, yeah, but, but you know, his kicks, what he does, he kicks low. He kicks low a lot because he's short. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so a lot of what he does versus what we saw from, like, Bruce Lee, which was much more... He could kick high. He had some crazy kicks like that. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan's is much more realistic in that you kick, you know, because he's short. He couldn't anywhere kick as high as right. Bruce Lee. But I, I do think that being, you know, once you're a black belt, they consider you a lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't balk at me walking around town. They don't even think, well, they don't even know most of them, you know. But I think it's interesting when they talk about having a lethal weapon, Um that I think, well, you know, if you treat all lethal weapons the way they say, they would put me somewhere and lock me up, right? Well, this is a tool, and I know they can't see it. This is an electrician's knife. On it is a really cool uh, wire stripper that you, you put your wires in there and you right. strip it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you can put, uh, and you can put coaxials in there and strip that. Now, this is an electrician's tool, and it's got all kinds of neat little things on it. And it's, yet it is lethal. And let, it's got a blade on it that if used for other than electrician stripping tool, you could hurt somebody with it. Yeah, and what, a lot of people in Australia, because guns got banned there, the problem now is all the knives. You know, people all carry knives now. And so they're talking about ha- not having open carry knives. <laughs> not I mean laugh, but I mean, how far does it go? Yeah. Like, you know. And, and that's where you go into where you can't see what someone's intent is. Right. Yeah. And, right. and so for gun safety... That is what learning about guns for me is all about. Because I was afraid, because as, you know, living in Texas where I live, um, there's 100 homes in this neighborhood where we live mm-hmm. in um, Fossil Creek Estates. And every, over time, I began to, because, you know, we had nutrients eating all the trees or we had different things going on and people mentioned their guns. And mm-hmm. so I thought, okay, that home has guns. That home has guns. And, and probably 
I would say 50 to 80% of the people in our neighborhood apparently have guns. And so I started thinking, well, what if my child's there? What if my child's at their house and they come across that? I I was like, okay, well, uh, so I, in in the beginning, I started saying, well, I don't really feel comfortable with you playing over there. Let them come over here or play down in the common area at the park or whatever. Well, did did you have a discussion with the parents at the house they went to? No. Now, see, that's where you could have. You could have said, hey. I'm Ann. I'd like to meet you. And by the way, do you have firearms in your home? If the person said, yeah, I do. They're locked in my steel safe all the time. You would have felt better. Yes, that's true. But for some reason, there's a um, a mystique about firearms where we don't really talk about them too much unless you know them pretty well. Right. And a lot of times when kids would come over to my house, they knew I was a coach. They knew I shot. And I would introduce myself to the parents. And I'd say, oh, by the way, there are firearms in this home. They are locked in a steel safe. And your child has no access to it. And I would go ahead and make sure that it was known and say, okay, fine. Well, and my dad uh, collected guns. He still does. And he has the biggest safe I've ever seen. (laughs) And he has them all locked up, Mm -hmm. right? And so they are never out. In fact, people would never even know they're there unless he showed them, you know, to an adult. But um, so it would be the same thing instead of assuming the kids could get hurt there. Or that they might or, have be some kind of danger. Or have that uneasy feeling in your stomach while they're there that, right. oh, my gosh, something could happen. Yeah. Just just talk about it. Say, hey, you know, can can Joey come over and play? Okay, do you have firearms in the house? Uh, is there any hazards I need to know about? Do you have poisonous snakes, for instance, or anything? <laughs> yeah, because one of Ashley's friends had a snake. Yes, ah. and I, that's funny that you say that because I re- she was telling me about the snake later and how they let her hold it and they held its mouth. And I was freaked out. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I hadn't thought That's about that either. Point. Good point. Never would have thought to ask about snakes. About, about anything. Um, with children, you can have a safety orientation. As You know, I was talking to my kids at three and four, five, and six. You gear it for the younger ones, obviously. And at the, the younger kids, you have to reinforce it a few times a year because retention. Uh, we try to make it fun. I would get like a green and purple plastic toy and say, okay, now is this a toy or is this real? Separate reality from fantasy. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, around seven and eight, they can do that better. At nine and ten, they definitely can separate fantasy from reality. And then you're off to the races, and, and if they want to go on and, and be a member of a sport, it's great. Well, that that's why you they have to be ten then, so that they can really distinguish fantasy you, you from need, reality. You need that. Uh, that maturity and especially with the shotgun. Yeah. Now I can supervise and I started my children less than 10 with the 22 rimfire rifle. I was supervising them heavily right beside them with glasses and earmuffs and, and uh, they're having fun and, and we're, we're on benches and, and uh, we're getting bull's eyes and breaking balloons. Did you know it's fun to break a balloon? Well, you made it fun for us. Yeah. I mean, the day was really fun and it was really exhausting but it was really fun (laughs) Um, and so I mean even because we got to shoot targets with Mm -hmm. the shotguns um, but you taught us in the beginning you you even fitted the gun to us because the shotgun Mm -hmm. you made sure that was the right size for both of us you made sure the way it fit our arms and the way we actually what is that thing on the end the recoil pad is that what that was I'd Mm -hmm. never seen that on a gun what does that do the recoil. Oh, that's it's it's rubber and it and absorbs the energy a little bit. Uh, that shotgun that you were using is one of them that I used when I was coaching. It's got a fully adjustable comb on it. It's got a very soft recoil pad. It's got an adjustable butt pad on it. The gun has been tuned to reduce the recoil, and the shells you're using were very light recoil shells, so you could learn while you were shooting. And it wouldn't hurt. 
Bingo. And you also made sure that the way it's set on in the shoulder part. In your pocket. Yeah. You taught me how to put it there correctly. And um, and then that pad, you could turn the gun a little bit so it fit the way my, my shoulder and head and everything fit. Mm-hmm. So that when I that I could shoot more accurately. I'd never seen anyone take the time that you did in the beginning just to make sure the gun fit. Um, and then he did it differently for you, Jim. Yeah, and I, I wanted to say, too, that, uh, <clears throat> Kevin, you're a, you're a real coach. And uh, a coach, when we, when we went out with you, uh, you made it safe for us. You made it fun for us. You were uh, careful uh, to, uh, to make it feel natural to us as much as possible, you know, where we are in the, in the process and everything. And, um, and so I, I, when I see qualities like that in a teacher or a coach, I admire that. And uh, it's one of the reasons that you've been so successful, I think, in the, in the coaching area that, you know, what you've done. Um, but it made it really fun for us to go out with you good and, and you i know, felt safe one, say one more thing it made us much more successful right oh i <laughs> than know we would have been on our yeah. own right yeah so. well well that and and bear in mind that in texas there are are hundreds of guys trained to do just exactly that and the, the biggest group of them that i know of is in the texas 4-h if you go through that program as an instructor when you come out you'll you'll be taught how to work with kids you'll be taught how to make sure they have successes, and you'll be taught how to make sure they don't get hurt, mm-hmm. bruised, beat up, or otherwise. Which, you know, that pretty much sums up 4-H, because the kids were in 4-H with their horses, my mm-hmm. kids, and they raised rabbits, and they made them successful. They kept them safe with any animal, with the goats, anything. Um, but basically, it was very good for their self-esteem, because they always won something. You know, and and uh, and they taught him a lot. Uh, yes. Now, the 4-H group is not necessarily politically correct. Oh. Um, there, there could be some people that would be opposed to some of the foundations of 4-H. At the beginning of every tournament, there will be a non-denominational prayer. If that offends you, then as a person, it would not be the, the group to go to. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to let people know that. Yeah, and and they're also at the beginning of every tournament. There will be the national anthem. If that offends you, then that would not be the group to join. It's it's an optional group. You don't have to join. Well, in the scholastic clay target program, the school programs. What my daughter um, was in outdoor ed at the high school. She took an outdoor ed class. They taught him fishing. They just did a lot. I mean, she had fun. It wasn't boring like. PE, mm-hmm. so she decided to take outdoor ed instead, and she didn't really know what it was, but she said we go outdoors. Um, and they did go at near the end of the semester. They took them to a safari place, and they did what you did with us, where they but they had targets that were that looked like animals, okay. but they were just targets, okay. um, and made it like a safari. But they taught them all the. You know, their parents went with them, of course. It wasn't just taking the kids for class. Right. And so um, it was It was very fun and very enjoyable. But my daughter knew after that she didn't want to go on safari. She didn't okay. want to go hunt. Okay. But she was one of the best shooters, which really surprised me, and it let me know. So she enjoyed shooting targets. Oh, yeah. 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 She, she actually, as one of the best shooters in that program, had an opportunity to go on a hunt. <laughs> supervised hunt. Okay. And so she said, what are we hunting? 
And when they told her white tail, no, you asked, you asked why, (laughs) you asked that because she would have just said no. She said, white-tailed deer. Well, she said, okay, no thank you. Yeah, she <laughs> didn't want to hunt. They were going to try and arrange some other kind of a uh, bonus for her. But uh, at any rate, uh, it's a great program, you know, and we were very we're very much behind Oh, that, yeah. So. And I was I was excited the school was doing that. And I and maybe Texas is the only place that does it. I doubt it. I bet Kentucky or Wyoming and Montana and places uh, like that do no, it in Alaska. <laughs> Nebraska has a very strong uh, SCTP program. So that's really good for children. Um, and I think that it helps them feel more, you know, more secure. It makes them feel good that they at least know what a gun is and they know that they can do it. And um, for me, it made me feel better about her being at the neighbors and stuff like that. And she did try every kind. Um, so that was very exciting. So we will take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about our experience on the shooting range okay. and what we learned and um, let you pass on a lot of good information to everyone. Okay, Kevin? Okay. Okay. We'll see you right back after break. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled, fantasies unrealized, and relationships become stagnant. Men are desperate today for a richer, deeper, more satisfying, and intimate marriage. Dr. Jim Slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate, fulfilling marriage they've always wanted. Call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beale. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to the April 8th edition of Living Well. We're back from commercial with Kevin Duncan, a shooting coach certified with the National Rifle Association, mm-hmm. the SCTP, the Scholastic... Clay, Clay Target, Target program. program in the 4-H group of Texas. Right. And um, 4-H groups are everywhere. 
In all 50 states. And SCTP is in all 50 states. We wanted this section to really let you guys know that um, the shooting can be a sport. They have competitions. Oh, yes. And your wife is incredible. She was funny when we were shooting. And Anne likes the, uh, she likes her first name too, but matches yours. <laughs> matches mine. <laughs> uh, she enjoys shooting pistols. She enjoys uh, competing. Uh, she does not like the idea of hunting. It's not her, her bag. So she'll go out and, and shoot all day with a pistol. And you say that, except when we were all shooting, I asked her if she was going to shoot, and she goes, why? I already know how. I can protect myself. And it's funny because that's kind of how I thought, you know, like, well, yeah, once you know how, why do you, why do you need to practice? But then I thought, no, wait, you need to well, – I mean, I do. I would need to practice until I felt proficient, comfortable, kind of like if I really needed to do it, I could do it. Yeah, it's kind of like driving a car. Yeah. Um, if you know how to drive a car, you think, why the heck do I want to go any further? But, you know, <laughs> there's guys this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway that are competing on the ultimate level. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what you want to do. That's if you're competitive, you would love the sport because you told us about a couples or it was couples, right? right. Sport that you guys mentioned um, in North Dallas that you compete against other couples or right. what is that? Well, that's that's a gun club uh, um, on the uh, uh, east side of Fort Worth. What is it called? The remember? Winchester Gallery. Yeah. And they have a, a fun shoot there. It's a two-man team. and can be husbands and wife or brothers or, or friends. And uh, they get together, have fun, have, have trophies. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And, and it's safe. Oh, yes. There's, there's a range officer with you all the time. And uh, uh, that's a lot of fun. If you are a competitive person, and my, my daughter is one of them, <laughs> Then not only will you want to shoot, but you'll want to shoot and win a trophy and prove that you're the best person at the range at the day. Right. She, it's in her to be competitive. And she doesn't understand the idea that I'm just going to sit back and not have to do it because I know how to do it. That's not in her. If she was racing the car, it'd be the same way. If she was uh, doing anything, it'd be the same way. So where'd she get that from, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, her mother is a little competitive. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I got to break in here and say this because we were shooting at those balloons, and this was cool. You it guys was really fun. stuck balloons on a, yeah. on a piece of cardboard and put it down range, and, and we were shooting at them and everything. And, and Ann and I were, you know, mm. taking the, the, the pistol, and we were going, bam. We'd wait a while, we, and we might hit one or two, right? Yeah, you, and, you, and, that is not true. You two. hit three <laughs> out of four. I hit one. But, but and and. <laughs> Took the pistol and she then there's there's five balloons up there in a circle and she just goes bam 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 <laughs> and then they're all the balloons all burst and I'm thinking you oh know, you mean his wife his wife yeah oh it, yeah 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 she aunt, I was like what are you that. talking you're telling the biggest lie but he means <laughs> he no, means Kevin's wife right? yeah. yeah she was and, incredible uh, I thought you know she's been do- she's done this before you know? oh yeah <laughs> and so yeah. but I wanted to say in light of some of the stuff that we've been talking about that. The, that it, what's come to mind to me is that uh, guns are not just a bu- they're not a bubba thing. It, <laughs> oh, you know, no. They're, they're no. a finesse kind of thing. There, there's a finesse about using a gun in the right way. And uh, there's a lot to know and put into practice to do it well and to do it right. So. It's all on eye-hand coordination. A, uh, trust me, a 90-pound, 5'3 young lady can score a higher score than a six foot two, two hundred pound guy. It's eye hand coordination, and you don't have to have brute strength to do it. 
So if someone was wanting to buy a gun, because I know for me how this all happened with us is I mentioned to you that I was considering getting a gun, but I wouldn't know what kind, and I didn't know if I wanted one, and I, I'm, you know, I didn't want it to be too heavy, and you just said, why don't we just start mm-hmm. by teaching gun safety? We'll, we'll introduce you to yes. gun safety first, and then if, if you want to go purchase a firearm, there's a number of uh, gun ranges around the area. There's there's one on the north side of Fort Worth, I-35. Uh, you can go in there and ask for a young lady who's not ginormous. She's a, a nice young lady who was a member of 4-H. Go and say, Cassie, I want you to tell me about firearms. And you can rent one there, and then she'll supervise you and use it. You may or may not like your choice when you first pick it out of the case. You can come back, pick a different one, mm-hmm. and find one that fits your hand and one that you can competently use and that you feel familiar with. Because you had me try many different, the, not only the shotgun and the rifle and the Car- Revolvers car- and carbine. Carbine. Yeah. But um, even like nine millimeters and three, three, six, 357. 357. We didn't have a 380. That's what I was thinking out. A 22. And, mm-hmm. and um, I was surprised how much, how really the nine millimeter. And that's what I was thinking because I'd seen them in movies and stuff. <laughs> and um, that I, I didn't shoot as proficiently with the nine millimeter. And it, it had, a, I think, because maybe it had the long. It was a long, a long. It's a full, yeah. full size nine long slide. But I did, I did the best with your three fifty seven. I think, of mm-hmm. course, the carbine. The carbine is more accurate. Yeah. Now, what would you call that? What is a carbine exactly? Carbine is just a short rifle. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. that was great, and it had the laser target. The red dot. The red dot. Yeah, and people so, love that. Yeah, and bet I you. could hit the balloons. See, that's what I liked. <laughs> and so, but for me, one of the things that. It, it gave me much more of a clear perception of what shooting is really like um, and that I had no idea. And I, and I think that people as a family could go out, you know, and, and learn together. Oh, yes. And, and get all the gun safety together. Yeah. Because we were out for hours. Now, if they were going to go through a gun safety class with you or someone else— how long is it normally? It's just all day, or is it like many weeks? Or no, no, not many weeks. If it's if it's going to involve kids, yeah, expect to spend four to five hours because we're going to be very detailed with the children. Mm-hmm. And before we go out and touch any firearms, we're going to be sitting down and talking about what do you do if. And uh, that's where Anne and my daughter and my son have all done it with me. And it's it's a very challenging thing to get a child to say to get up and you say, Okay, here's a backpack. And there's something in the backpack that doesn't belong here. What do you do if you're in school and Johnny says, I've got my daddy's pistol in my backpack? Right. What do you do with that? Can so you tell? so we, we play action play and the, the the student has to immediately get up, not look in the backpack, not say anything, has to look for an adult, go to the adult and say, Johnny's got something in his backpack that doesn't belong there. And for a child to, to do that, to be brave enough to to approach someone and say, hey, here's danger, we need help, is difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. But it's good to take them through that to know that. Mm-hmm. Because it has happened. Yes. Yes. Because we've heard it on the news. Yeah. And they kicked the kids out of school. One kid brought a bullet to school. Mm-hmm. And it was just a bullet. And right. that wasn't so bad. But anytime there's a weapon, I guess, whether it was a knife or whatever. So it's good to let the kids know that. Now, what if it's just adults? How long does it take? Uh, for just the safety rotation, we'll, we'll talk and probably spend two hours. Two hours. Now, we went three and a half. Three and a half. 
Um, were we just below level? <laughs> no, because we, we did rifle, pistol, shotgun, plus we had a safety orientation. And uh, we spent a little extra time of, of breaking clay targets than more than just an orientation, but you got to have a lot of successes up there. And you made it fun. So <clears throat> does that take, do you make it fun with all adults? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Because that was really fun. It was. Um, and, and being able to break the balloons, you can really see where you're hitting. Whereas without the balloons, because you let us do that first, mm-hmm. we couldn't really clearly see where we hit the target. And you don't go walking out there. so No. Oh. And so uh, the balloons, you could tell, and they were big. It's like, reactive. I was yes. telling your wife, blow them up bigger, blow them up bigger. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then if, if we'd have spent more time, the balloons would have magically gotten smaller and yeah, it more difficult. That. She yeah. goes, we're going to start with them this size, and then they get this size. Yeah. But we didn't go down. <clears throat> and with kids, a lot of times, I'll take a Coke can. And if you set a Coke can out at a, at a yardage and hit it with a, a small caliber twenty two, and you show them how small the bullet is, and you tell them this twenty two can go a mile and a half. And, of course, one of the neat things with, with uh, Google now is they'll whip out their cell phone and they'll look it up because they want to catch in a lie. And I'll go, oh, my gosh, it does say it'll go 7,000 feet, and it's just a 22. And I go, bingo. Yeah, I don't think most people know that. And you did trick me by asking me that question. Mm-hmm. Can it hit that house over there? Can it hit that tractor? And they were really, really far away. And I was like, no. And you go, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yes, it can. <laughs> yes, it can. So Because it wasn't very big. <laughs> no, so it's a small bullet. But then when you hit a Coke can with it, it will turn the Coke can inside out. The can ruptures and it, it turns gnarly. We walk up and we look at it. And, we're, and then I ask, look at the 9- or 10-year-old and say, what if that had been a person? And there'll be a pause, and they'll go, oh, yeah, now we can have fun with this. This is a powerful tool. We're going to teach you to control it. So it's not like a video game. It's not a video game. Now, that's the danger, isn't it? I think that the kids with the video games, it just looks so easy, for one thing. Mm. And they don't see any of the impact, really, of what happens. They just, and it, it numbs them. To the death of a person. To, uh, I, I don't like the video games that, that have the gore and the yeah, endless know. lives and the endless bullets and the all that stuff. I, I, I'm not a supporter of that. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather get them off the couch and at the range. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, a part of living well is to be a well-rounded person mm-hmm. and to know many things about life and how to protect yourself or your family if you need to. Um, so you don't feel vulnerable because that adds so much stress. Vulnerability weighs you down and makes you stressed out and worrying about so many things. I've had people worrying about ISIS and worrying about the police and worry, worry, worry. But they don't do anything on their in their that they have power where they Over. can do something to take care of themselves in case something happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so so they just keep worrying and stressing and worrying and this is how people get sick and have heart attacks and you know, get just really sick physically. And so we encourage them to take action with whatever it is they're worrying about. There are things that you can do instead of worrying. And um, gun safety is one of them. So you can be much more familiar instead of worrying if something happens or worrying for your kids or what if they see this or what if a snake or what if they actually do something about it. They take action. And this is a way to do that. And it makes you a much more healthy person and and much more knowledgeable of mm-hmm. your surroundings and everything that you can do to keep yourself safe in danger or even just the idea of being able to do it if you ever are stuck out in the wilderness you can get your own food <laughs> <laughs> yeah hopefully that won't happen i had yeah. a kid asking me so what what and he was like how oh, he was like nine and uh he said 
Miss Ann, what kind of gun would I need if I was out in the wilderness by myself? And I was, of course, I'm like, are, are you going to be out in the wilderness by yourself? <laughs> well, I just worry about that. Really? And that's what I said. How, how old was this? Nine. And so he's okay. been watching TV, right? right? And um, reading books about okay. like uh, over the mountain. What is it called? My side of the mountain, the other side of the mountain. Then he's okay. out in the wilderness and having to take care of himself. I had another kid ask me, and he was like 10, um, if he needed a, a rifle or a shotgun. I was like, why would you need that? Well, what if I'm out by myself in the wilderness and, or, or out in the forest or out in the jungle? And I'm just like, because they read. Right. But this child said... He didn't know why he worried about it and had dreams all the time. There's well, then I, I talked to the parents, and the mom said, oh, dad watches um, the preppers all the time. Oh, And okay. so he sees it. Okay. And so this boy was worrying. I mean, I couldn't believe the anxiety that he had and the things that he was thinking about. And I know that a lot of people worry now. In in the, te- uh, the 4-H group, there's over 100 categories. And one of them happens to be outdoor skills. Outdoor mm. skills. Yeah. And they'll teach him how to set up a tent, and they'll teach him how to boil water, and they'll teach him all the great stuff about being outdoors. And there's the the 4-H groups, there's hundreds of categories in there from outdoor photography to, uh, you know, just about kite flying and everything you can imagine. That uh, sounds so. like Boy Scouts, doesn't it? In a lot of ways, it, it probably is like that. Now, Jim, Dr. Slaughter was an e- is an Eagle Scout. It would, would you say is or was? Oh, once an Eagle Scout, always an Eagle Scout. Always an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And you learned, but you never learned gun safety. I, I, it was it was available to me, but I cho- I chose other things, other areas, and uh, I was not raised knowing about guns. My my family was not a hunting family, at least my my immediate family, and so I was never really exposed to guns. Now, archery was different. That's because Native archer. American in your family. Uh, there was archery, Native American, yeah. Yes. And he taught me about uh, bows and you know that kind of thing. But yeah, but uh, a lot of guys that were uh, that I. I camped and backpacked and hiked with and stuff like that were shooters and uh and and in fact you were you you worked with scouts kevin mm-hmm. uh as a um an instructor in the shooting merit badge there's a merit badge they can get i've, I've helped a number of uh, scouts get their badges yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah oh see that's really cool so you could have you could have chosen that badge I could have, yeah yeah that's really neat because i know um jim can start a fire that man can start a fire <laughs> and he knows every tree every leaf he there sees the leaf, not necessarily the bark. Because I'll ask him in the in the winter, and he'll be okay. like, "It's kind of hard." You're exaggerating <laughs> a little bit there, but <clears throat> I, I can ask you. I mean, you've never said, "I don't really know what tree that is," unless there's no leaves on it. Then you're a little. The best way to tell a tree is by the leaf, leaf right? Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah. and so that's similar. So they can learn all that in 4-H as well. Oh yeah, there's there's like I say, over a hundred different categories. Um, if if a category you're interested is not in your county, because 4-H is set up by county, mm-hmm. then look to your adjoining county. Yeah. It's too bad they don't have that for parent or for adults, parents or adults, just the, um, uh, to learn do. all that stuff. <laughs> but they, they do. do. Sure. Because in 4-H, you got instructors that go with it. And yes, but you, you, what if you don't have children? Then you will be taught. They teach you. They That's teach cool. you. That's well, right. and I think that there is um, controversy surrounding just Gun, banning guns in general or not banning guns, what mm-hmm. would happen if the guns were banned? Well, if firearms were banned, we would be, fortunately, we can look through history and see what happens. What is that? In 1934, there was an, a, a government official that announced that his country was the safest in the world because he had banned private ownership of firearms. Uh, 
And he announced that he was going to take control, and his country's going to be in the best in the world. His name was Adolf Hitler. Right. And I think that what people don't realize is if you cannot protect yourself, you're vulnerable. And if two people cannot protect themselves, or three or four, that group is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And if a country can't protect itself, see, so what people say is ban guns for the individuals and let the state take care of us or the police, which is state, um, or the city official. Everyone will take care of us, right? But as you can see, we have corrupt officials, yeah. and, and power can corrupt. And, and you mentioned a group. I did. A group, and that's called ISIS. What's the S in ISIS stand for? Islamic State. Islamic State, yeah. right. And so if we cannot, as individuals, protect ourselves, we open ourselves up to... Somebody else's definition of a state. Right. And what they call, you know, basically what they consider us being safe to them means it's to keep them safe from us Mm -hmm. so if we don't have guns we have other people controlling us yeah that's through history that is the truth and that is why most people in our country freak out at the idea of banning guns for the individual um and and it's funny because it's not that i ever even considered having one I, i never like i don't like what do i need a gun for but at the but hearing that i might not be able to get a gun and that they were going to take away guns. It makes me want to get one so that I have it if I need it. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it was, if I need it, I can go get one. You know, right. I can go, if things start getting crazy or whatever, I can go get one. But when you hear that they're maybe going to ban them or take away all the ammunition or whatever, then everyone starts wanting to go get one. Mm-hmm. And so people in general don't want to be vulnerable to danger. And people don't want to have their rights taken away from them. That's huge. But see, a lot of people, and I have to say this because my family is, you know, a lot of my family members are staunch Democrats, and and they truly have good hearts. I mean, they're not trying to control anybody or take anyone's rights away. They wouldn't say that. They just trust that people will take care of them, or they trust that they'll be safe by the people that run the state or people that run the government. They, They do. They just, I mean, they would say, you know, if they need more tax money, then they should just take it. That's fine, because I don't mind. If, if we can it helps, trust the government to do the right thing. If, if it helps take care of people, if it helps take care of needy people, I would want to do that. And people yeah. should just give more. But what they don't think about is the corruption that happens. If it's all in one, if the control is all in one place, and the money is all in one place, what happens is humans in general become corrupt mm-hmm. with power and money. It takes a very, 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 very rare individual that doesn't. And and you don't teach self-sufficiency. You don't teach going out and taking care of and providing for yourself. In time, almost everybody needs a hand. And that's that's okay. But you don't want to have somebody that's dependent on receiving a handout all the time. Well, because it takes away their individual self-esteem and their individual power. And it's the same thing when, when you start worrying about your safety. You feel so vulnerable. You feel so weak. And mm-hmm. I think that, like my brother, when he had his heart attack, um, people were saying, and I can't remember who said this, you never know, you never are humbled until in, the, in any sort of way until you have a heart attack. And this is, he was talking about a man. A man is never hum- humbled so much until he has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so there are things that when you get humbled like that, there's a weakness that you're not aware that you had. You feel so weak and afraid. Independent. Independent and terrified. And when you get that way, it just 
it, it really wears you down. And so I really encourage, you know, my listeners to be self-sufficient, um, to have high self-esteem, to have a good self-image and whatever they're worried about, get the tools to take care of it as best as they can, um, build support networks, uh, yeah. have friends, have community, but not depend on other people all the time for anything. But everyone helps everyone out at different times. You give and you take to one another. And um, and so as a community, you're all giving and helping and taking care of each other and things like that. If you move it out of the community and you put it in one place, like in the nation, like in the federal government, they don't even know you. And, and, and it's inefficient. Yeah, it's inefficient. But if they don't know you, then you're just a number. Whereas in your community, you're known. You'll know if something happens. Where's Ann? Where's Ann? Somebody needs to find Ann. But the federal government, it's just how many billion people are in the U.S. and we're just a number. And I really want people to think of me as a person, not a number. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you centralize, you take that away. A lot of the personability and the care and the love and the compassion and the need. And it just becomes numbers. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be a number. Anyway, enough preaching. <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, we had a really good time, and uh, we felt it was so beneficial that we wanted to share it with our listeners today about learning about handgun safety and also just learning that, you know, shooting can be a sport and it can be fun and um, it can really become a family sport to learn gun safety, but also to know that your kids are safe. If they come across a gun, is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, just if there's any curiosity, have, uh, have the parents sit down, go to the websites where you can look up from an organized shooting group, look for a coach that is uh, proficient in working with kids, and uh, go with the child. Don't stay at home. Go with the child. Go through the safety orientation with the child so you both are on the same page in what you're doing, and you can have generations of fun. Generations of fun like you guys have. That's mm-hmm. a good. That's a good. Yeah, and so your dad really yeah. passed that on to you, didn't he? Oh yeah. And to all your siblings. Uh, uh, it's just me and my sister. You and your sister. Yeah. Well, and um, so they can because I know here we have places like Bass Pro Shop, mm-hmm. uh, Cabela's. They teach gun shooting as well. That you try them, uh, or how do they do that? Well, they uh, they open up the product. They allow groups to come in and use their conference rooms. Uh, they also support the uh, youth quite a bit through donations, uh, but they don't teach. They don't teach. Okay. So shooting ranges teach. Shooting ranges teach. for adults, I'm thinking of adults that they can go. Because we have a shooting range near us that we had never, ever been to. I can't tell you how many times we said we were going to go. And I even said to the kids, we need to go there. We need to go there and Mm -hmm. shoot targets. But we never did. And sometimes um, a parent or a husband can be very, and might be an instructor, but when you work with your child or your spouse, they can't take your spouse hat off and put the coach hat on. That's why you need a coach. That's why sometimes you need a coach. That's right. And that's that they'll listen to a little better. Well, and I was seeing a, a police chief one time, and he was going to the shooting range to mm-hmm. get, you know, uh, proficient and in instructions to keep up to date for mm-hmm. his testing. So it's a really good place. We have so enjoyed having you guys listen today. I've enjoyed having you on, Kevin Duncan. Thank you, you for coming. You and bet. thank you, Dr. Slaughter. My pleasure. Is there anything you would like to add before we close? Only one thing, and that is that uh, uh, one of the things that I've learned through this is that guns are not something to be afraid of. They're something to know something about. You, you know, uh, you need to uh, to learn 
something about them, not just to be afraid of them, and that they can be a useful tool when you know what you need to know. Yeah, you can conquer them, truly. I mean, instead of being afraid, just learn it and conquer it. And you conquer the fear. Conquer the fear, and you learn that you're the person that's in control. You are in control, which I'll leave you guys with that. You are in control, and if you don't know gun safety or even archery or any weapon to keep you safe, I just encourage you to do that. Now, how would people reach you, Kevin, if they wanted to? Um, you know, they could they could call me uh, at my cell phone. It's 817-915-4570. I'll help them go to the right direction if they need to, or if they're locally, I'll take them to the range. Wonderful. Thank you guys for listening to us today on Living Well. And we look forward to meeting you back here next week, Wednesday, on Living Well. Take care. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week.